Twisted Travelers podcast, your weekly dose of theme park news and entertainment. And now, here to talk all things coasters, theme parks, and even more, here are your hosts, Jack Lathrop and Chris Jones. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Twisted Travelers podcast. My name is Jack. I'm sitting here, as always, with my friend Chris. How's it going tonight? Very good. Excited. We got a guest. We've got fairly short news. Get to continue on ride of the week. Debate about trains. So, whatever. And when we say episode. debate about trains, I mean, let's. Chris and I don't disagree on much when it comes to wooden roller coaster trains. I'm right. <laughs> uh, I'm right. No, you're not. Yes, I am. You know. I speak the truth, but we'll get into that later. Let's put some air quotes around the word the truth and say and change those air quotes to say bad opinion. Well, like, that's but, the solid truth. As Marcus would say, it's okay to be wrong, Jack. Well, do you want me to get him in here? I will like full on I don't like, care. scream Listen, at him to get in here. Jack wants to say he speaks the truth when he's the person that says El Toro is trash and doesn't like spaghetti. Oh, yep. You make a good point there. <laughs> okay. Um Disney World is getting a new sign and this Twitter is having a freaking meltdown over this it. This makes me sad because every time that that sign is nostalgia to me. Like you drive past that sign and under those arches and it just tells you you're in that magical place. And the fact that that's getting changed they better do it right. I mean, they we've seen I'll the concept ahead. art. It looks okay to me. Now, granted, I literally could care less about a stupid arch. <laughs> um, you uh, don't. You don't understand the Disney nostalgia for people who have been raised around it, uh, kind of like I have, and people who are just diehard. But it, well, it goes okay. too far <laughs> sometimes. But this is legitimately something where I'm like, wow, that uh, that kind of hurts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I you got to explain this to me then, because like if Dollywood said that we're ripping out the Dollywood sign and putting in something new, I wouldn't care because I don't spend time staring so, at the sign or anything. That sign is some of my earliest memories of theme parks as a kid going to Disney. Uh, it was something that me and my sister, whenever we saw that, always knew that we were going. Like it always meant to us, we're going to Disney. We're about to have a good time, and it it just signaled like, hey. You're here. You're on Disney property. You can enjoy yourself. And uh, it, it's been there literally as long as I can remember that same style that just, I don't know. It, it's just nostalgia. Pretty, Magic Kingdom's like an entire park built around nostalgia for me, too. It's got that same feeling. And like the, the purple road signs when you get on Disney property, like literally just speed limit signs and stuff like that. But they're purple colored because it's on Disney property. They're all purple colored. That. That's another thing that I actually have nostalgia for. No joke. I mean, I can see it. I will say this. That sign looks... The new one looks decent. Like, it looks good. Um, From the concept art we've seen. It really aren't changing too much. It's just a color palette change, and it looks like they're going to take the castle off the top and just put some more flags there. Yeah, um, like, I'm okay with them changing it, but still, it's a little sad. I mean, it, it comes as the hip, and 
I mean, it's one thing to like with you when you've got memories associated with everything, but these people that are just throwing full on temper tantrums over it. Yeah, I'll people, get over it. It's like they're not tearing the parks out. It's a sign you drive under. And while yes, it might be iconic, this new one's probably also going to become iconic. Yeah, so. I I'll get over it, but people people shouldn't have that big a deal about it. It's It'll be fine. Yep. And let's, um, keeping, um, let's move up towards the Carolinas. Carowinds is unofficially officially going to open this year. Yes. Um, uh, exciting. With So the sources have said Copperhead Strike Afterburner Ricochet will be the only rides to be open. Um, although nothing is confirmed, so you never know. But uh, yes, we all know. Um, uh, yeah, so they haven't made any official announcement about this yet, but they are listing. There's a job listing on the Carowinds website. Um, where I'm gonna go read what exactly what it says. Where is it? Ah, here it is. Carowinds is ready to return to fun. We are now hiring security associates to work in November and December 2020 during our limited operating schedule. There's postings like this for security, uh, rides, and sales, food, all of it. So they're hiring to open the park. Um, and I th- the big question is, what are the rides going to be open? If it's a traditional winter fest, then yeah, it's Copperhead, Afterburn, and Ricochet, plus a couple of county fair rides and all that. But since I missed so much of this season, could you make an argument for them possibly opening another coaster or two? Whether it be uh, Intimidator or it could be Fury? I mean, of course. What else yeah. is in that area? Maybe, um, maybe Flying Cobras? Carolina Cyclone, Fine Cobras. Carolina Gold Rusher would probably work. But yeah, um, them getting to open is obviously good. Uh, If Fury doesn't open, which it probably won't, that's a shame. But even then, like, uh, Carolina enthusiasts are going to get to go enjoy their park a little bit, probably. Yeah. And um, I may low-key try to see if I can figure out a way to go there, because I haven't ridden Copperhead yet. I'll, so, so I'll say this. My dad and I have had this discussion. Cause we've known for a while Carowinds was trying to push to open, but all these job listings now are kind of like the final nail in the coffin proving it. It's just like, why haven't you announced it yet, Carowinds? But my dad and I have said a couple times, like the only thing that's going to get us to drive over there is if Fury is open. Because we've ridden everything else, and yeah, Copperhead is a great ride. I could ride the thing all day. But Fury is why I go to that park. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't ridden it yet, so I, that's a worthy reason to me going, especially with my mock fanboy side. But uh, who knows? It, definitely a positive thing, getting to open. We'll see what opens with it. But uh, I might try to go. We'll see. If you Okay, I'll say this. If you go and you're going to be over there, then yeah, I'll try to go over and ride Copperhead. But... Mm-hmm. If you don't go and Copper and Fury's not open, it's pretty much a no go for me. But that means, yep. like you said, it's good. Carolinas get some coastering in this year, uh, and they'll be back in March of next year if everything goes well. So now, uh, keeping with Cedar Fair, let's talk about some completely fake rumors. 
So yeah, if you paid attention at all on um, Twitter or Reddit, or I think even it made its way to Instagram, probably Facebook too, um, about the CGA rumor that Cedar Fair was done with it or something like that, where they wanted to just get rid of it and they were going to kind of pull a Geauga Lake on it. Um, you obviously don't know the person who posted that very well. Yeah, I think this was meant as a joke that just got way overblown. Yeah, so now there could be some merit to it, because, I mean, we all know CGA and Cedar Fair have had some history in the past, just like with operations and everything. But yeah, the, the rumor was that uh, CGA would go the undergo the Geauga Lake treatment. Um, and that was started by our good friend, Mike, from the Drunk Riders. Now, what do we know about Mike? <laughs> all you have to do is go back and listen to our episode of The Drunk Riders. That's you can hear nice. all about Mike's experience with California's Great America. And if even if you should go listen to it, but just so you know what we're talking about, it he hates the place. He thinks it is like coaster, like hell. <laughs> it's become like a, a running joke, basically. And so when he posted this yesterday, like all these other people are taking it super serious. Like the Reddit post, because it got copied over to Reddit, and it got like freaking a ton of upvotes and a ton of comments. I want to go look at it now. Everybody's taking it serious, and uh... and they're all taking it serious. And so I was, so when I was going through tonight, putting sh our show notes together, um, and trying to like put everything, so I always go through Reddit. That's like the fastest way to hit the big news stories up. Got fifty eight comments, <laughs> and that's all I can do tonight to not post it. It's like you should go listen to an episode of that podcast, so you can figure out why this is a joke. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, they also uh, he also poked fun at lightning rod, which was a full on jab at me. Like that was, I'm pretty sure that was like almost directed at me. But because mm -hmm. <laughs> they call uh, me like, out every week for crying over the coaster, which is also true. But so I'm pretty sure like 95 percent chance that CGA isn't getting Geauga Lake. I so mean, there's they spent that. two hundred million dollars on the land under it. Yeah, and they just gave it Railblazer, and there's been rumors about the future plans, and they've got Not a water slide being built right now. Water slide, water park. Wait, is it a whole park? Do they not have one already? Park. It was. I think it's a complete revamp of what they had. It's a full-on oh. water park, like. When Dad and I huh. were there in 2019, it was like a pile of dirt. <laughs> It's currently, it's the largest 2021 edition for a Cedar Fair Park. Actually, probably it's the only 2021 edition for a Cedar <laughs> Fair Park. Um, yeah, so I, I don't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, I, it, yeah. Um, no, I'm just okay, saying, so... if it did happen, Gold Striker to Carowinds, please, thank you, end of discussion. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, keeping with California... And uh, th they're dumb rules. California Adventure reopening Buena Vista Street for shopping and dining. Uh, probably the best Disney can do right now. Good luck to them. Uh, hey, Knott's has pulled it off, so. Uh, yeah, it it's obviously going to help them somewhat, but still just. Man, it's tough. <laughs> so, it's 
it's been a week since we really started to find out about California reopenings, and it still is like mind-boggling what they want. So, yeah, all the parks. Uh, are, it looks like they're starting to come together to kind of uh, revolt. <laughs> You've heard of the French Revolution? Well, get ready for the roller coaster revolution of California. The Great Roller Revolution of California. They're going to be screaming, let there be rollers. Yes. Everybody wants rollers. We need X2. And Twisted Colossus. And Ghost Rider and Gold Striker and Gold Joker. Railblazer. There's a lot of good ones. It's just a shame what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. We we spent a lot of time last week mulling over it, so let's not mull on it too much tonight. Mm-hmm. Good luck to Disney's California Adventure. Um, hope for the best. Maybe they'll do some. If this goes well, maybe they'll do something in Disneyland as well. So, yeah. Um. So our last news thing we have comes from China. I think Intamin's new gen impulse coaster is now open. Yep. It's the exact same as like the old style one, but it's got the it's got I three hundred five style track, and it opened now instead of twenty years ago. Yeah, um, I'm trying to see what park this is in. Was this an entirely new park or not? I cannot remember. I usually don't attempt to pronounce things, um, so I use I just like oh, new intimate impulse. So talk about that. That was my like whole motive when I saw where is it? Da, 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 da. I'm looking for it on RCDB. Well, anyways, cool to see them kind of making a comeback. Uh the impulses. The one I've done is uh, Wicked Twister, and I thought it was fine. Um, do you know if it has um, different restraints? Um, I'm trying to watch the video of it real quick. Um, I'm about to look that up, too. Cause yeah. that was, uh, it looks like it's running trains very similar to the old school ones. Oh, that's a shame. I... Well, hold on. They definitely have theming on them. Actually, this whole thing is themed. Hmm. But, um, with the impulse coming back, that's obviously good. And we've seen... I take that back. They have lap bars. Oh, that's what I wanted to hear. It's so got we've the seen Velocicoaster, Terran-style yeah. lap bars. Yeah, we I, that that is the same, I believe, as what's on Dueling Dragons, which is like the the Blitz. Yep. And inverted, and I just want to say, uh, launched inverted coaster with like a Blitz like layout that we've seen like that. I would love to see that come to America. Yeah, one that'd day. be sweet. Do you guys think that'd be awesome to do it? Um, but it'd be sweet if they did. Yeah, that could almost revamp the invert since we haven't seen. As many B and M inverts lately, and I mean we've seen Vacoma with um, trip drills. Yeah, I, I think like that's probably one of the type of coasters that I'd love to see come to America most 
is like mm-hmm. a full circuit Intamin launched inverted coaster like that. Here's what needs to happen. King's Dominion needs to build Volcano the Blast Coaster the Revenge Roller. Yes. I, I fully endorse that idea. Although Cedar Fair would never do anything with Intamin, but... So there's still, like, you can't just, like, blacklist a manufacturer because, you know, they still got to get parts and everything for rides. Well, yeah, but... But... No, so this is... That's that's one of those things I'd love to find out the story one day. Like, we kind of know parts of it, but everyone's like, yeah, Cedar Fair and Intamin just don't work together anymore. But And we can point some fingers at why, but... I'd love to hear that full story. Like, why will it never happen? Yeah. Um, and then, same thing with, like, apparently now they hate RMC. I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that the other day. I am uh, really, if that's true, that I am not a big fan of Cedar Fair's approach to this. And not just because I like RMC, but, like, it was one year. And they've already like blacklisted a manufacturer. Talk about having low tolerance. It looks like we're only gonna get mocks and B and M's from this point on. Well, and <laughs> yeah, I, that's this is completely going off on a tangent here, but I think that's the whole thing. Is like they expected the rides to run perfectly and be less maintenance heavy, but they also talking about steel vengeance specifically here said let's build one of the most intense rides ever on a structure that of a coaster that was quite tame yeah like so i feel like they got what they paid for to be honest i just think they didn't think that's what they were paying for yeah i I really hope that it's not true though that they have blacklisted that because I mean, small parks, Worlds of Fun, Valley Fair, Dorney, Michigan's Adventure could all use Raptors, and they have, like, nobody would complain anymore. Oh, yeah, if any of those parks got a Raptor, it would be huge for them. Yeah. And and that's the thing, is I think, that's the other thing, is when Cedar Fair bought the three RMCs that they did, they were all three prototype rides. You've got Railblazer, which is one of the prototypes, and then Steel Vengeance and Twisted Timbers both used new trains and completely new setups for blocks and bra- or for brake mechanisms and drive wheels and all that. Completely new. So when you buy three prototype rides and expect them to work perfectly, that says something is wrong with your um, expectations. Yeah, and I mean, they honestly kind of did the same thing with Intamin. I mean, Millennium Force, first Giga. You've got your first Strata with Dragster. Uh, Maverick was one of the early, early Blitzes, right? Maverick was the Blitz. Okay, yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. Cedar Point shot for all those firsts, and they expected perfection. Well, And And while Dragster's issues have been ridiculous, we can't take away from that. Okay, keeping with our tangents, Dragster, in my opinion, is the worst decision Cedar Fair has ever made from a like financial side. Um, as much as the ride is amazing and one of my favorites at Cedar Point, you can't help but wonder how much they kick themselves for buying that thing as much money as they continue to have to pour into it. 
Might might low key be worth it though, just because of what an icon it's become. Oh yeah, there's no doubt it has earned that iconic status. I mean, when you think Cedar Point, what three coasters pop into your head? Millennium, Magnum, and uh, Dragster. The mm-hmm. three big, the three record breakers, the ones that like just kept defying the odds. Yeah, and they so those are the three, and they all three had issues. Magnum didn't make a test, like complete a circuit till a week before it opened. Millennium forced uh, rapid or continued to try to cut hands off, and Dragster just didn't want to work. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Cedar Fair, fix it. Come on. Yeah, like, looping it back around to RMC, though, there's also you see that they could have over-promised and under-delivered on the product, because that is definitely possible and something well, that Well, yeah, that's happened. definitely a possibility. But even then, keeping with this whole RMC thing, there's been a lot of speculation that, like, there's been a lawsuit between Dollywood and rmc which i don't believe to be perfectly honest i want to i need to see the the drawn court papers to believe it because as much as the ride is a pain in the butt rmc has always been good about trying to make it work because they they know what they signed up for when they built that ride they said we're gonna do a first and it's probably gonna go crazy I mean, yeah, the, once again, it's a prototype. When it comes to prototype rides, I think both sides just need to be completely understanding, like have a common ground of, hey, this could go absolutely awful. So are you willing to risk it? And mm-hmm. if it does go awful, it's going to cost a lot of money, and we can't really do that much about it. We're going to try, but if it doesn't work out, <laughs> there's nothing more we can do than say, we're sorry, we're trying to fix it. Yep. Well, I think that's some of the reasons like manufacturers uh, like mock and um arrow had succeeded so long is because they never really just sold a prototype ride they built scale models and then built full-size models europa park built an entire park so they could test out ideas mm. um, and so they get to a state of near perfection by the time they're out in the market and then there's bnm who just doesn't miss ever Pretty much. I, I don't think there's been a single ride that's had issues. Well, uh, other mean, than very minor things like Val Raven's bump. And even then, that's a compute that can be a computer glitch. And I mean, there's so much that could just cause that. I mean, computers right. are computers. They all you can break code pretty easy if you know what you're doing, or or a random ride out pushing buttons the wrong way. Um, yep. But they, I mean, they have a perfect safety record. So here's what here's what we're saying: all manufacturers need to be B and M in terms well, of their in terms of their okay. reliability. Yeah, there you fixed it. That's all we needed. All right. Well, I think that's it for news. So now we have yeah. ride of the week. We just went on such a hard tangent there. That, hey, that's fun. We didn't have a lot. We could afford to do a tangent tonight. Yes, we can. Um, yeah, ride of the week. Continuing with classic Woody's boss, Jack Rabbit, Giant Dipper. You got the wheel ready? Yep, I'm spinning. Spin away. And the winner is Giant Dipper, Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. Oh, yeah, okay. Now I have to think. It's been a hot minute since I wrote it. Um, 
It was fun. It was just fun. Was it the wasn't even the best coaster? I think Undertow was better, to be honest. But it was just fun. Um, it's got so much history, and you're in that station. I mean, you're looking out the Pacific Ocean's right there. It's it's got the charm. It's just it's everything you want in that like seaside roller coaster, and that whole park is just everything you want in a seaside park. Um, it didn't have much airtime. It didn't really have a ton of forces. The only fun things were um, Arrow, if you've watched the Legacy of Arrow documentary. So Arrow did a lot of like their initial measurements for the corkscrew coasters on that ride. So if you go ride it, um, you know that feeling of just pure agony you get going into any Arrow corkscrew? Um, mm-hmm. The original version of that is on the Giant Dipper. And it's actually not ag. It like doesn't hurt at all. So I don't know what arrow to make it hurt, but um, it's pretty to take pictures of too. So hello, hi. Oh, you cut out for a second. I just stopped talking. Oh, oh yes, and that's your turn to say what you think about it, even though you haven't ridden it. It sounded like you cut out. I, I heard like an abrupt stoppage. Okay. I have not ridden Giant Dipper, but I want to for the history. Looks pretty cool. It has a tunnel, doesn't it? It does, I think. Yeah, I knew that. But no, um, honestly, seaside parks look really cool. Just like You still haven't eh. done a seaside park, have you? No. Family Kingdom and Myrtle Beach counts, although I didn't go really near the water on Steering it because I was just over near Swamp Fox, but which isn't really close to the sea. But anyways, um, yeah, no, it it looks cool. I'm sure it'll be a solid ride, but nothing too special. Which is, I mean, that, that's probably the case for a lot of really old classics with history. Like, um, I bet you Leap the Dips, Cyclone at Coney Island's probably the same way. But no, it looks solid. I definitely want to ride it someday. Um, and the one at Belmont in San Diego. I'd like to ride that too. But I don't see it being anything crazy. Yeah, it's... Well, here's the, just kind of talking about seaside parks in general. It's basically take Knobles and plop it on a beach. That's yeah. really like the atmosphere you're going to get. Um, and that's what makes them so much fun. And that's what makes this coaster just fun. Mm-hmm. So It's... Definitely, it's fun. It's good that you get to talk about it because this is not a ride that would normally come up unless one of us goes and ri- goes and rides it. Ooh, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, Giant Dipper, good ride, really pretty, and probably it's the best. Se- I've been to two seaside parks now, and it's definitely the best seaside park and best seaside. What's the coaster. other one? Um, oh. Sam, um Pacific Monica Park here. Yeah. Yeah. So that leaves Jackrabbit and Boss. It'll be one of those two next week. And now we're getting to like the nut. Why did I delete that? Now we're getting to the nutty stuff. Mm -hmm. So. Off topic. Okay. Well, you go ahead. Um, well, I went to Dollywood. I guess like off topic, but on topic. Off topic, Um, but yeah. I mean, if I gave a trip report every time I went to Dollywood, that would be the entire show because that would be the same way if we did one every time you went to a Florida park. Um, Dollywood's fun. 
Uh, Tornado was running amazing. Thunderhead was just like, oh, lightning rods closed. It is my time to shine. Um, and let's see what else is happening in life. Bowling. Oh yes, let's talk. Let's talk about bowling. I bowled my first ever two hundred last week. Good job. I was so happy. My my coach, and I did it in a match too. He was so happy. He was like, "Where's that been?" Let me do my best, Mr. Parker impression. Jack, I heard that. You need to do that more often. Now follow through. That's. That's an average conversation with my bowling coach. Interesting. Right down Broadway, guys. Right down Broadway. Get your head in the game. Follow through. Follow through. My PTSD is rising. Anyway, uh, yeah, bowling is fun. I've got more matches this week and next week and the week after that. The week after that. So wish me luck that I don't hurt my shoulder again. Hope not. But congratulations on. 200 it's weird to say in our community but i know that 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 was the point (laughs) (laughs) okay what about you well uh ain't looking too hot for the race but that's all right what was it three two game three games two three two two right now yeah Raising seven. You heard it here first. Just kidding. I'm, I kind of think we're going to lose. Because, I mean, you know, I, I think it's the Dodgers' year. They, they've they been to the World Series so many times in the past however long. It's just, you know, eventually a team that has so much talent but has had issues choking in the playoffs is going to win eventually. We saw Washington Capitals in the NHL do a couple years ago and then my yep. Tampa Bay Lightning this year. So it, it, that's just what's going to happen. What we can obviously bounce back and potentially win in the next couple of years. It might be our time soon. Who knows? But, uh, Hey, I'm just saying the Braves are ready to freaking smash next year. We yeah, were getting, uh, we were getting dialed in there at the end. It was getting, well, I mean, you were getting dialed in and then you went up three Oh, and then you didn't, you just lost all of that. <laughs> we were actually, yeah, we were up. Were we up? Th- I don't remember how. I think it yeah, was we three. I'm gonna be honest. I'm still trying to like get over it. I still cry myself to sleep at night because it was three three, and they botched it in the eighth inning. I was not happy. <laughs> yeah, it, that's tough. But uh, I think so. We immediately the game was immediately over, and I texted you and I said the Rays better not screw this up. Well, it ain't looking too hot. Sorry. Uh. Okay, but I, I'll also say this: after game three, or was it game? No, it was game four, right? Yes. Yeah. After game four, and that last frame or frame last inning, talking bowling okay. stuff. Yep. Sorry. After that last inning, even if the Dodgers win, I will be happy because watching them screw up. So bad was hilarious. <laughs> For sure. Like, um, I watched that thing like five or six times. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I, I was like, huh? Like, I, he got like, it. Oh, and he threw it. And how did the catcher miss it? <laughs> oh, hail Randy or Rosarena. That's all I'm going to say. And, and oh, I love Randy. 
their celebration too just made me happy. Like the, yeah. they're all just running around and like that right there, that is fully justified and amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So. Even with it not looking too hot for them, my bucks are rolling, which I do care about more than the Rays. Tom Brady's gonna be the MVP. Uh I'm like baseball balling. is my sport outside of bowling, so now I get to be sad until spring, but I'm five and two in fantasy, so mm. everything's going well with uh football for me so far this year, so I'm happy. You know, maybe next year we should do a fantasy league, like for coaster people. Maybe. There's enough people that care about football and in our community. We could totally do one with like us and the drunk riders, and maybe get Sarah Scott and then on it. And yeah, if they wanted to. I I've just like my team was good at the start, but I've made so many good trades that my team's just balling because I've got Lamar Jackson, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb when he comes back from injury, Devontae Adams. Stefan Diggs, George Kittle. I just traded Odell literally the week before he gets injured. Thank God for Mike <laughs> Evans. I get the Bucks defense, and then I've got depth too because I've got who else? Do I got Tom Brady is my backup. DJ Chark, CD Lamb, Ronald Jones. So it's balling, but it's it's only a six man. That's how I have that much talent. But yeah, trades have been so good for me. I've traded more than anybody else, and I'm I'm leading the league so. That Good. was my football rant. You doing it with your school again or some something yeah. else? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep, there's off topic for this week. Um, nice to bring it back. Um, real quick, plug myself, give me money, people. I'm kidding. No, 2021 calendars are on sale now. Uh, by the time this is out, uh, I will finally have announced the winner of the giveaway for this year. So thank you if you entered that. If you didn't win, $20 a piece shipped anywhere in the United States. Uh, you get a calendar. You get a little card from me that's got my autograph on it. Not that that's worth anything. I'll throw in a sticker and a wristband, too. And, heck, I might throw in a park map or two if you're really nice to me. So, Also, give Jack random, money. Yeah, yeah, so message uh, the Twisted Travelers if you want one. Message uh, throwing moments. If you just send it to Twisted Travelers, Chris will let me know. Just send it to Thrilling Moments. Well, I hope I see it, because otherwise I'm blind. Yeah. Great lineup on the calendar this year. Um, I've got the first few pretty much ready to be sent, and I'm taking one up to someone later this week. Also, I got something for you today, and I'm ready for you to get it so we can wear them to parks together. Huh? Mm. It, it involves a hashtag on a t-shirt yes so yes yay they were hashtag out of rollers, the, baby. they were out of the orange so it's on gray now but that's fine yep oh uh, yeah i'm gonna wear those okay yeah, we're wearing those to parks one day just so we can get the picture of us Velocir Roller opening day. T Rex no, costumes. Hold, no, no, hold, with... on, hold, hold on, hold on. Okay, we can do that too. We've got to wear them to Alton Towers and lay next to our brick wearing it. Yes. Yep, that's what. Wait, are they selling more bricks? We need to buy our hashtag rollers brick. I don't think they are, but if they are, then we'll have to look. If they are, if they sell bricks this year, we're buying a hashtag rollers brick. Mm-hmm. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, and here we are with our guest. Everybody meet John Mike. John Mike, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hello, everybody. How are you all doing? Hope that you are doing well. Um, my name is John Mike. I'm an enthusiast, uh, coaster enthusiast from originally from Central Kentucky, currently residing in Louisville. Uh, my home park is Kentucky Kingdom, you know, the park that has the really awesome and dank social media. It's pretty great. Um, Love you, Jefferson. Also, yeah, shout out to Jefferson. And also, the park is home to the world's only dueling Vacoma SLCs. So it's pretty great. So I'm so excited yeah, yeah. for T4 Media Day. It's oh, same. Great. You probably could put a like a webcam on your roof and like time lapse the construction, right? Uh, if I could get a tower up high enough to be over the horizon, <laughs> yes. Oh, we can make that happen. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure the FAA won't mind. <laughs> oh no, not at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So we we brought it up already. We're just gonna dive in because you've been going to Kentucky Kingdom for a long time, right? Yes. And by long time, I mean since the '90s, which is a long oh, time yes. for Chris and I. Yes, I am in fact that old. You're yep. the only one here. See if you added, if you add Chris and I's age together, I think we're would be like two or three years older than you. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Yes. Well, talking about old school Kentucky Kingdom, do you have any stories from back in the day, differences from then to today, what you like better about the park now, anything like that? Uh, yeah, so from what I remember as a kid, um, I remember Kentucky Kingdom just being a very well-kept place. I remember it being very, very clean. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. All things that are not different in the present day, right, in the present iteration of the park. Um, you know, everything is very well-kept, maintained, clean, etc. Of course, back then as well, um, there was a coaster there. Everybody knows it, called Chang. Uh, Chang was a BM stand up at that time. It, when it opened in 97, it was the longest stand up coaster in the world, um, which was, it was essentially a mirror version of Mantis with a bonus course crew. Um, one of my earliest memories, though, was the opening year of Chang. So I was six. And I remember <laughs> um, I was over in the, uh, <clears throat> probably in the present day um, food plaza there in front of the Hurricane Bay, the original Ver Hurricane Bay entrance. And my aunt and uncle were riding Chang. Well, we knew that there was a thunderstorm coming. They had already dispatched the train and was going up the lift, which if you have been to Six Flags Great Adventure, you know that the lift on um, Green Lantern, which which was Chang, is not quick. You know, it's an older <laughs> style. It's an older style B&M lift hill, you know. It is not the speed demon known as Fury 325 or Orion. Um, but nevertheless, it crested the lift hill, and I still... <laughs> 
<laughs> I still remember this. I remember just seeing a curtain of rain coming toward Chang and just overtaking it, and I couldn't see the lift hill. So, <laughs> and this was right as the train hit the pre-drop. So my aunt and uncle had to go through the entire ride in a monsoon, essentially, and they got drenched, absolutely drenched. Um, and so that's one of the earliest memories that I have about the park. Um, and of course, who could forget that highlighter mono yellow um, paint scheme that the ride had back then as well. Um, that sticks out like a sore thumb in my head, too. Um, but I mean, as far as how things were back then, it's not entirely too different from now in that um, the overall style of how the park is operated is fairly similar. But there's more of an emphasis on the family dynamic this time than in the 90s. Because um, if you think about the context of the 90s and just in this market, um, you know, you had Holiday World. They had just only built their first coaster. Then you have Kentucky Kingdom over here putting in a new coaster essentially year over year uh, from 1990 all the way through 1998. And so Holiday World was in no competition for, the, for that park at the time. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, Kings Island was kind of in the same boat because when Paramount first took over Kings Island from Kecko, um, or Kecko, a.k.a. Taft Broadcasting, um, Kings Island was at a bit of a lull. There, there had not been any real big additions to that park um, through the majority of the 90s. With the, I mean, you had, um, let's see, you had Adventure Express in 1991, then you had uh, the Bat slash Top Gun in 1993. Um, but after that, there was kind of a dead spell. And I think that's what really contributed to Kentucky Kingdom's popularity all throughout the 90s was Kentucky Kingdom just capitalized on the lack of capital investment that was being seen up at Kings Island. And they were able to really give Kings Island a run for their money at that time. We have to look at Kings Island. So go ahead, Chris. Sorry. I was going to say, so uh, with Kentucky Kingdom – once it got closer to closing and they started removing rides, was there like a moment where you knew that it was going to be closing before it was ever officially announced? So, um, I remember the last time I went there under the previous management, um, that it was the summer of 2009. I think it was July. And everything was disgusting. And there, there is no exaggeration in that sentence. Um, the paths were dirty. The landscaping was complete garbage. Um, and to give you an idea of how poor the landscaping is, I challenge all of you all listening. And uh, Jack and Chris, if you all want to do it at some point yourselves, it's kind of hilarious. Um, Coastal Force has a POV from 2009. From T2. Well, when you are dispatched and you're going out to the lift hill, you literally can't see anything around it. You're being dispatched into a shrub, essentially. Um, everything had just grown up. Nothing was kept at all. Well, then 
contrast that with the 2015 POV of T3. And, I mean, it's a night and day difference of just the landscaping, but that's how the entire park was. Um, so the landscaping was horrible. Attendance had dwindled down. Um, I know that Taylor had touched on it in his documentary, Saving My, Save My Park, um, that the reputation of the park had just kind of gone downhill. Um, of course, there was an incident that should not be discussed that took place in 2007 that really harmed the notion of safety at the park. So that further drove attendance down. And then in addition to that, there were rumors of uh, drug deals taking place between park guests and park staff. <laughs> so I heard that before. <laughs> that yes, it was actually quite um, no. It was very common knowledge within the community of Louisville that that those types of things were taking place. Now, obviously, we have to take that with a grain of salt, right? Because I didn't see that with my own eyes. Um, and so obviously be very cautious, but I mean, the reputation that this amusement park had was not good. Um, so I went there in 09 and I remember leaving and I said to myself, this is not the park I remember from being a kid. And it is not in a good spot and I will not be back. And that's, I vividly recall that. Um, and then, of course, I moved to Louisville for school in 2009 as well, um, in August. And a few months later was when Six Flags announced that Chang would be removed. And, you know, it was going to be for water park expansion, supposedly. And, of course, right then I kind of was iffy about it because I was like, okay, why are they taking out, you know, the biggest coaster um, and I was like, well, you know, water park makes sense because Holiday World's water park at that time had been growing. I think Mammoth had just been built. Um, and then, of course, Wildebeest came shortly thereafter. And so Holiday World's water park was rapidly expanding and, you know, they needed to keep up. So it kind of made sense in my head. Um, but then, of course, February 2010 rolled around and, um, you know, the, the news broke that the park was going to be closing for good. Yep. And that's, so that gets us from like early Kentucky kingdom up to the 2009 shutdown. And then what was it? Five years between the park shutting down and it's reopening in 2014. Yes. So let's talk about that period of time we'll call it the save my park period of time because that's really what was happening was the dedicated fans that had remained really wanted to try to see the park make a comeback and so what was it like seeing that happen well first off the amusement park climate in this market was a night and day difference from what it was in the 1990s during the the glory days if you will um the the fact of the matter is in 2009 um you know kentucky kingdom's reputation was so poor everyone in the mobile market was already just going to holiday world and so um of course you couple that 
with the massive capital investments that the other parks were doing. So Holiday World built Voyage in 2006, then Mammoth, I believe, in 2008 or nine. I can't recall the exact date. And, of course, Wildebeest was right after that as well. Then you had Kings Island. Um, you had just had the Cedar Fair acquisition, and Diamondback had just been installed. And so um, – Kentucky Kingdom was really in a place where it was no match without some kind of um, infusion of capital. And, of course, Six Flags at that time did not have that infusion of capital to give, nor did they want to funnel that much capital into that park. It wasn't mm-hmm. a high you know, grossing park for them financially. So why put capital into it? it I mean, it was strictly business. Um, now, after the park closed... Um, it was a, it was very much a void left in the city because everyone in the city had just kind of been accustomed to Kentucky kingdom being present and Kentucky kingdom being part of the community. And so, um, it was, it was really dark just because you had a lot of summer jobs that were gone from this market. Um, and I mean, at the, I think at that time it was estimated that, the park employed about 1,800 people for the summer. I can't recall the exact number that Six Flags said during that time. but um, So anyway, you had Holiday World had just you know funneled a decent amount of capital into their park. Then you had Kings Island funneling – well, you had Cedar Fair, rather, funneling capital into Kings Island. And then, of course, as I said, you had Kentucky Kingdom, so there was no match. And during that time, I just thought there is no way that this park is going to make a comeback. Um, I mean, Cedar Fair wouldn't buy it because why would they want to compete with uh, Kings Island with another park that's just down the road? That makes no sense when biz- from a business standpoint. Six Flags, well, clearly they weren't interested in it because they dumped the place, and then. Of course, you had Holiday World. Now, Holiday World did attempt to purchase Kentucky Kingdom. Um, but, and I think that was in 2012, 2013 timeframe. So everyone had a bit of hope that something was going to happen to the park. But as time progressed, um, details about attractions that were going to be bought back online became less and less. You also had some very confusing information coming out about some of the decisions that they were making in relation to um, what attractions would be staying, what attractions would be going. And so um, at the end of the day, um, Holiday World, their their team of management with the Cook family, just made the decision to um, not pursue operating Kentucky Kingdom any further. And when that happened, um, there was this kind of, a sigh of just, you know, well, great. You know, what's going to happen to this park? Is it going to be bulldozed? Because at the time, the state fair board was considering bulldozing the entire park and putting a massive resort on the property, which on paper sounds great, but you have to have something to pull said resort guest into the resort. An amusement park can do that. So, um, obviously, that decision didn't materialize, but that was a consideration, was that after um, the Cook family pulled out, 
there were rumors going around that they were going to try to bulldoze the park. Um, mm-hmm. Those, And, I mean, they were pretty serious about pursuing that as well. But that's not what happened. And I think no. now looking back, we're all super happy that that is not what happened because we've arguably got one of the best parks in recent years. That the, I mean, they just keep pouring money in, trying to get the park back to a state like it was in the 90s and then take it even farther than that by going on and adding some of the best rides that have ever been built anywhere. Um, and so I think that all starts with um, Ed Hart and his group of crazy people that somehow found a way to reopen this place. Well, it, it goes back, Jack, to people who are in the community. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. As, as you know, you may be, um, as you may know or not know, um, Mr. Hart has been a part of Louisville for years now. Um, he has been here and lived here for years. And so, I mean, he cares about the community and he cares about the park, um, obviously. But also, um, all the other investors in the property are all from this local area. You know, the thing is, with the current management team, they offer something that Six Flags can never bring. You know, you have the people who are making the day-to-day decisions there on the day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to operating a business, that is a night and day difference versus a corporation that's looking at a, at a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet on a computer making decisions solely based off of that. Yeah, and then then you just start to look at everything and what they they took the park from. Like you said, looking at like a POV of Chang or Chang T three from late two uh, thousands compared to one in twenty fifteen. And the differences they made there, looking at additions like Lightning Run and Storm Chaser, and the amount of money and love they have just poured into trying to get this place back to a state. And I think other people have analyzed like the coasters, and other people have talked about um, like the rapid growth. But let, since you actually live in Louisville and know the park better than most enthusiasts would, What's it been like on the community to see this park come back? And I guess, how long did it take for the community of Louisville to realize that this is not the Kentucky kingdom from the mid to late 2000s that was super sketchy? So I will say, especially within the last, uh, especially for the 2019 season heading into this season, of course, this season is a bit of an anomaly. I think we can all agree on that. Oh, um, yeah. But um, it, I would say, probably took about three, four years. And when you think about a business, um, it is a, it's fairly common knowledge that if you open a business and you have it operational, the key to survival is making it past the five year mark. Um, and a lot of times with locations, let's say a business opens an additional location. It takes about the five. It takes about until the five-year mark um, for the public to remember. Oh, yeah, you know this is here in this spot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have seen that firsthand with my current employer, where we have had locations be operational, 
um, but definitely be slower in business. And then the second we pass that five-year mark, uh, we see a bit of an uptick. Well, we see an uptick in, in guests. And it's just because it's common knowledge. It's in the collective brain of the people, hey, this is here. Now, uh, Kentucky Kingdom had a bit of a double-edged sword because you know you had to, one, get people to remember that this amusement park's here. But two, you had to turn around an entire reputation that this property had, you know, and Jack, as you'd already touched on it and Chris, you did too. The reputation was not good. Um, and it was very, very poor. And I mean, I know for a fact at the beginning, it was very much an uphill battle. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, they, the parks management team has worked to overcome that and they have overcome it with flying colors. So, um, you know, obviously, I hope that the brighter days are still ahead for this park. Um, I hope that it is continue. It continues to be successful because um, I mean, it's a part of our community. It's not just a part of our community, though. It's a part of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, and it's it's a reason for people to come to this um, to come to this Commonwealth and visit it and see what this what Kentucky has to offer. Yeah, and it's. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I was going to say, like, before it reopened and, you know, you started to hear uh, these rumblings of it reopening, I'm sure there was some sort of hype. But in between the time of it closing and it reopening, like, what happened with you? Did you frequent Kings Island or did you kind of step away? And then when it came to reopen again, did you feel that hype and get back into it? Or what went down there? So my perspective on the situation is kind of um skewed a little bit because in the middle of that time frame um i had a very uh traumatic life experience take place and i had to overcome some personal things um as it related to that so admittedly i kind of fell out of the notion of you know being a coaster enthusiast and going to parks and enjoying and, and truly um recapturing that joy and that happiness as cliche as that phrasing sounds, um, recapturing that once again. So um, during that time, though, um, I frequented Kings Island. I actually went to Kings Island um, my high school graduating year uh, for graduation. My teacher surprised me with two two-day tickets, and I took my cousin and my mom and dad, and we went up to Kings Island. And... Um, I went, I would go to Kings Island after, um, uh, all of that. But I mean, there was a time span where for about two to three years there, I did not go to a park at all. Um, it didn't really click back into me, if you will, until 2014 with, of course, the reopening of Kentucky Kingdom. But also, um, that was when I took my first ever visit to Cedar Point. And, um, man, I, I mean, still to this day, I remember the first time driving across the causeway and seeing the skyline and, um, going to that park with two other friends. And it finally was just like, wow, you know, um, this place is amazing. Like I've truly forgotten how good the, you know, parks were and, um, you know, and, and it's been, I've recaught the bug, if you will, the amusement park bug or the enthusiast bug. 
um, ever since then, and I can't make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> Story of every coaster enthusiast life right there. And you, you bring up a great point just real quick about the first time you go across that causeway at Cedar Point, the first time you see Dragster and Millennium Force just looming off in the distance. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I remember the first time I saw them, it's like, you're low-key kind of like if you've never seen a giga coaster or anything like that before it's kind of terrifying it's like i didn't know they could be that tall waiting in line for dragster my first time i had butterflies but <laughs> that that was amazing <laughs> completely worth it i almost rode in the front row um that first visit in 2014 and i didn't do it and um i went with some other friends later on and they convinced me to get in the front row. And I still remember the first time I sat in that front row seat. And we got in the second train because the lines in the second train in the station for dragsters are, you know, it's always shorter, you know, especially mm -hmm. in the front row. So um, I got in, strapped in, you know, with the T-bar and everything. I was like, oh, this is, this is happening now. This is something. And <laughs> of course, you know, we advanced and well, we dispatch and advanced, and you know the first, you know the the train in front of us connects to the catch car and launches. And I remember just seeing this train just blaze in front of me like a freaking bullet, and I was like, oh, oh, oh no, um, what have I gotten into? <laughs> and um. Then, of course, we went up, connected and everything, and I remember my palms sweating bullets because I was so nervous. And so I was gripping the handle on the T-bar, and my hands couldn't grip it because my palms were sweating so much. <laughs> then, of course, you know, we launched and um, launched, you know, went up, over, came down. And I remember we hit the brakes, and my hands were shaking. Um, and right after that, we went and rode Power Tower, and Power Tower literally felt like nothing. <laughs> I'll never forget my first ride on Dragster either. So my dad, the first time I went to Cedar Point was 2016, right before Mean Street closed. Um, and the whole point of the trip was to ride Mean Street because we all, at this point, we all knew it was getting RMC'd, so I wanted to ride it before it got RMC'd. And my dad and I had one day, it was Labor Day weekend, and so for my my birthday and Christmas, my dad's birthday and Christmas, we pretty much did the ultimate Cedar Point thing. We did the gold VIP tour. And so we had a tour guide, and she walks us up the exit ramp of Dragster and puts us in the front row of the very next train. And I mean, you're sitting there, and of course, one, you've got to be the uh, obnoxious person that like rolls into the station and like is just sitting there while the person that's gonna get on the front row after like waiting for three hours just stares at you. So I'll never forget that because you just had to avoid these looks of death from the people who had waited for so long. And then, you know, you roll out to the launch and it, you just, everything's happening and all the noise and the car connects. And I just remember I'm staring down. I'd never ridden anything like this, nothing like this crazy. And you're just staring and 
the Christmas tree like goes ding, 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 and you're gone. And I don't ride dragster for the hype or anything. I ride dragster for those four seconds. And those four seconds are some of the greatest four seconds ever. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the unique thing about dragster is that launch just keeps... It's such a linear progression of intensity. And it feels like it's not going to stop. You know, um, of course, last year, I rode Max Force in the front row. And somewhat similar feeling, uh, but the thing is, the initial punch, I would argue, for of Max Force is stronger than Dragster's. But overall, I still prefer Dragster's launch because Dragster's launch, it just feels like it's going to keep building and building and building and just not stop. Whereas with Max Force, you have that initial, you feel like you're a bullet being shot out of a gun, but that's, you know, that's it. Um, yeah, I've always I've always agreed with that. I think like Drek or Max Force Dadampa, I think all of those rides, like you're gonna get the punch, but are they gonna be as good as dragsters? I don't think so because they're over so fast you don't get to take it in. Dragsters is just long enough to let you take everything in while still like punching you. Right. Well, with with the Dompa, I mean, it's 110 miles per hour, so I I I could see that initial kick being so strong it could be better than Dragsters. But obviously, I haven't ridden it, so I have to see. Oh, you still haven't ridden Dragster? No, I've ridden Dragster. I'm talking about Dota Dompa. Oh, okay. He's ridden Dragster. Well, we both told our Dragster stories. What's yours, Chris? Oh, uh. I waited probably an hour and a half, got a second row ride, and I remember like still feeling kind of nervous about it, but just sat down, buckled in, knew I was going to be fine. And that was completely worth it. One of my favorite moments on a coaster ever, riding that after waiting 90 minutes with my dad for just 17 seconds. But that, like, I think once I rode that, that was the moment because that was my first big coaster trip where I realized, like, yeah. These rides are absolutely insane. This is what I'm getting into, and I loved it. And I feel like almost any enthusiast first strata is like a milestone. It just has this special feeling of riding a ride that fast and that tall and being that short, but still being willing to wait for something like that, or at least that's how it was for me, and just still being absolutely amazing and like getting over any anxiety you have for that. Because once you do that, you can do anything else. Well, oh. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny you say that because I had a very interesting experience on a different ride um, that was kind of the light switch moment for me as well, um, which we may or may not be getting ready to talk about. I'm not sure. So we'll see. <laughs> we can transition into that. Let's yeah, talk transition about, right into that. Let's talk about the ride that all of our guests have ridden, but we haven't and we'll never get to ride. We're talking about Son of Beast. Oh, yes. Which I, I, okay, I loved your comment today on the Shivering Timbers pictures. Like, this is what Son of Beast should have been. It's like, that would have been amazing. If Shivering Timbers could have been like, or Son of Beast could have been like Shivering Timbers, please. Okay. So I have, for those of you that are listening, I have a bit of an interesting history 
um, surrounding Son of Beast. Um, so I remember it was 2000, no, it was 1999. I was eight uh, because the previous summer in 1998, I was seven and we went to Disney World. Fun fact, I have not been to Disney World since. So I haven't been to Disney, a Disney Park since 1998. Um, that was the, also the opening year of Animal Kingdom. And the Animal Kingdom Lodge was a sign next to a pit of gravel. Yeah. <laughs> so that gives you an idea of how long ago that was. Um, but anyway, uh, Son of Beast. Wow. Um, I remember seeing the signs at the park because we were there in 1999. And at the time, Kings Island was the only place I ever wanted to go, you know, um, my parents had kind of taken me to amusement parks as um, a bit of not necessarily therapy, but they just saw that being at the park helped me a lot. Um, and I, so to give context that I do have autism, I'm on the highly functional end. The sensory stuff of the amusement park really captivated me and helped me to calm down and everything and i was just you know infatuated with the parks ever since then um but nevertheless we were at king's island in 99 and i remember seeing the signs up and seeing this big thing of wood rising you know out in the field and i remember you know seeing the signs for son of beast i was like okay and i didn't really realize what it was well fast forward a year and <laughs> so um, some of you that are listening may recall the Kings Island Resort and Conference Center. That was the hotel that was originally built with Kings Island. Um, it was directly across the street from yep. present day Great Wolf Lodge. The sign is the signage is actually still there for the property. Yeah, uh, if, you're, if you know <laughs> if you've been to the park, so you're turning into the like park. And you know that like awful pit of like grass and disrepair and like junk that's directly across from the park, like the driveway to it. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> it's just a giant yes. junkyard now. It looks like. Yeah, unfortunately, um, they were supposed to develop it, but I'm assuming the uh, the things needed for that to turn into a development didn't materialize. Oh, as always. Anyway, so we were coming over to the park, and at that time, Kings Island Resort had uh, shuttle buses. It was school bus shuttle buses that would take you from the park, well, take you from the hotel, literally to the front gate of the park. So if you know the area of the path um, at Kings Island, you have the two sidewalks now that lead up to the straight up to the entrance with the light poles in the middle. That was actually the lanes for the trams, the parking lot trams that Kings Island used to have. Um, of course, <laughs> those are long gone. Uh, but the Kings Island Resort bus, if you know where the handicapped parking lot is, it would take you right up to the gate right there and drop you off. Um, and so anyway, we were coming into the park. 2000 you know this big huge um this big huge um wooden structures right there looming over the entire um portion of the park there 
um, in Action Zone. And I remember everyone on the bus just looking at it and just staring. And nobody was saying a word. And so <laughs> there's a train going up the lift hill. And, of course, with Son of Beast, it had a bit of a, a pre-drop or a disengage from the chain, curved around, and then went up to the drop, and then dropped facing away from the park. Well, <laughs> the train comes up over, it disengages from the chain, goes around the curve, and all of a sudden, this board from either the underside of the track stack or from the catwalk or something is just hanging on by one of its corners, swinging in the wind after the train passed over it. And I remember everyone on the bus, everyone's eyes got like as big as golf balls. And the, this board just keeps spinning around within the superstructure of the ride. And next thing you know, it just tink and just falls all the way through the ride. And I remember thinking as a kid, huh, I will never ride this. <laughs> um. So, yes, the rumors that you all have heard, I'm sure, about the poor construction of Son of Beast are, in fact, true. I saw them with my own eyes. I never doubted them. Oh, it's, oh yeah. it looked, so Chris and I, while we never got to ride it, we both did get to see it in person. Um, and it looked jank as all heck. <laughs> yes. That... That is a good way to say it. Um, so originally when it opened and had the premier trains to be able to um, navigate the loop. Well, um, I didn't ride that thing for the first time in my life until 2005. I was 14. And my friends basically dragged me onto the thing, okay? And so also... With the premiere trains, if you can find um, some of the old off-ride footage, I know Coaster Bob 62 has some on his channel. I'm definitely certain Sean probably has Sean Flair, Sean Flaherty has some on his channel as well. Um, the anti-rollbacks on that ride. Holy crap. See, y'all think still Vengeance's lift is loud? Nah. Uh-uh. No, no, no. Son of Beast's lift was louder with the original Premier Trains. I am not making that up. Um, I mean, I remember we were going up the lift, and I was trying to talk to someone, and I literally couldn't hear what they were saying. All I saw was their lips moving. Um, so, you know, go throughout the ride, go into the Rose Bowl with those heavy trains, which was bearable. And then I remember we went into the mid-course, coming out of the Rose Bowl. And I remember gripping the handlebar in front of me because the way those, the way those trains were set up, um, every single row had a handlebar in front of you to be able to hold on to just below the headrest, somewhat similar to a traditional PTC train. Um, but I remember gripping death gripping the handlebar, and I remember thinking, okay – you know, here we go. And um, we were going into the loop, went through the loop. And up until that point, I had zero inversions. 
So hmm. that was Son of Beast was in version number one for me. And I remember we shot through the loop and I came out the other side. And I remember saying, I was scared of that. And that was like the light switch moment uh, for me that made me want to get on, you know, things that were taller, things that were faster, things that had more inversions. Um, you know, that was the moment that it all kind of happened. Then, of course, um, 2006 took place and they had to replace the, the premier trains with the lovely Gerslauer trains. Um, but that brings me to the visit in 2009 that I referenced earlier briefly. Uh, so I was there on June 16th, 2009. Those of you that are um, keen on King's Island history, you know the significance of that day. Um, because that was the day that Son of Beast closed. I was in line next to get on when they got the call to close that ride. Um, I had written it the day prior, and I remember, <laughs> I remember erroneously thinking, "Oh yeah, let me just write it in the front. It'll be the smoothest." That Rose Bowl, like, look, like everyone says that you know this wooden coaster is rough, that wooden coaster is rough. No, I have not found a wooden coaster yet that I have personally ridden that has come close to Son of Beast with the Gerslauer trains. Um, I have not found one. And I think that's probably because I think that's probably why my tolerance of quote unquote rough wooden coasters is so high is because I have that experience to go back on. Um, but nevertheless, I was next to get on Son of Beast. And um, I was getting ready to ride it with my cousin. And next thing you know, they got a phone call to close the ride. So they dispatched, uh, they just dispatched a train, brought the other train in. And uh, they said, hey, you know, we're going to open the air gates, let you all cross through the train. And that way you won't have to walk through the queue because the queue of Son of Beast was absolutely atrocious. Um, if you know where the entrance of the bat is, the mm -hmm. Son of Beast queue would have been on the right. Yep. And it would have wound down all the way down that concrete path, go under the underpass, will go under the overpass, rather, and then come out on the other side. And you may see some of those switchbacks that are not presently broken over um, not far from the bat, present day. And that was all Son of Beast's queue. And which would go up to um, the haunt that is in the station now. And, I mean, it was a really bad queue. But nevertheless, they let us pass through to exit the ride. And I remember crossing through the train. And I asked the ride attendant, you know, hey, why are you all closing? They said, oh, you know, it's just because of weather. Um, there's just some storms coming in. And we're just, you know, we're just closing. We'll probably be back up in a little bit. So they had been told, you know, hey, we're just down for weather. And I knew something was up then because I remember walking down the exit ramp and I looked up, drop tower, had its gondola at the top, Eiffel Tower well, had an elevator going up. And then I turn and look and Diamondback is going up the lift hill. All things, well, all those rides have people on them. And I remember thinking in that moment, huh, that's odd. 
And I mean, lo and behold, later that day, there was a thunderstorm that did come and everything had to shut down. But I remember in that moment thinking, this is really weird. But then I just dismissed it, you know. And lo and behold, that was the last moments that that ride ever operated. Man, that's that's crazy. And I mean, what? it was all all by pure accident too, you know. I didn't go and plan all this, you know. Yeah, it was that just... that wasn't the time when like part of the lift structure like collapsed under it, and like the train dropped a couple inches or whatever, something like that. That wasn't that time, mm-hmm. was it? No. Um, okay. You were referencing what happened in 2006. Okay. Um, now, in 2006, there were multiple um, things that happened. Um, and one of them was the train hit a timber that had separated um, on the track stack, I believe it was. Uh, I can't recall exactly, but it hit a split timber and was basically like it was basically on a vehicle that was going 80 miles an hour that hit a brick wall was how the people that the people that were riding it described it um but that was also under paramount's management because the acquisition of paramount parks uh by cedar fair had just taken place a few days before that incident so um, Paramount was still responsible and op- and for the operations of the park during that time. Had to be a great first couple of weeks for Cedar Fair. They're like, what did we just get ourselves into? Well, the deal hadn't been final, like truly finalized yet. Um, it wasn't finalized until later, um, later on at the end of the season. And that's when the keys were essentially given to Cedar Fair from Paramount. Yeah. But so, yeah, listeners, um, I do somewhat apologize for that crazy story. But I mean, it's it's still one of those things where it's like, especially with that ride, um, being able to see it be built, ride it during both of its iterations and then also be there the day it closed. Um, like it, it's. It's stuff that you literally can't plan, <laughs> um, and it all just kind of transpired over you know a period of a decade. Yeah, that I'd heard that story previous to tonight, but every time you tell me, I'm like, that's like the luck, but also unluckiness of that to like literally have missed the last train of Son of Beast ever by one. One, it just yeah. sucks, and that's also it's like you said. There's no way you plan that because this is a like this is a ride that is very similar to Lightning Rod in its operating patterns in that you can't figure out what it's gonna do. Well, Son of Beast was just also incredible. It was more incredibly unpredictable than even anything like Lightning Rod, just because its superstructure was not built correctly. The ride itself was not built right. Um, you know, and of course that goes back to the manufacturer with, um, uh, Coaster Corporation of America or RCCA, RCCA was not built, excuse me, was not known necessarily for building quality rides. Um, I mean, if, if you are listening right now, I highly recommend that you look up, uh, Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, 
um, the Rattler uh, wave and just be amused that a, a coaster manufacturer built a wooden coaster that could do what that ride was doing in that video on a straight piece of track, mind you. <laughs> so I, I know Chris yeah. knows this, but I don't know if I've ever told you, John, like my dad actually got to ride the original Rattler. And he will tell you, you could tell the whole thing was moving while you were riding it. Well, I believe that. Like, and even like you watch the videos and roller coasters are supposed to sway. I mean, if you've studied any physics, you know it's got to move or it's going to break. But they are not supposed to move upwards of five feet. <laughs> yeah. Well. The video of that is ridiculous. It, it is. Like, I still remember the first time I found that video and I watched it and I just busted out laughing. And I was just like, man, no wonder Son of Beast failed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, truth. That video always makes me laugh, and there's some roller coaster videos out there that make me cry. Uh, I know Chris knows the one I'm specifically thinking of. He's referencing the Ozark Wildcat demolition uh, video because <laughs> me and him didn't even know that ride existed, just discovered it one night, and like I had been to Branson already, so I, I got sad that I never got to ride it, and then he sent me the video, and it was just... Wait, there's a video of... There's uh, a video of them tearing the thing down. It's Ozark Wildcat. Huh, I'm going to have to look this video up. I've never seen it. Yeah. that It made me sad seeing that get torn down since I, I had been in Branson only a couple weeks before uh, we had found out that it even existed. Uh, so if it would have still been there today, I probably would have gotten to ride it, but it's not. Um, But talking about wooden coasters, so... Me and Jack, we, we debate this pretty often, and that's wooden Anytime coaster trains. Voyage. Huh? Anytime one of us rides Voyage. Oh boy, here we go. So that's, that's wooden coaster trains. So what we wanted to do was rank five different wooden coaster trains and see what type of chaos comes from this. So we have the PTC ratchet bar trains that you see on Voyage, PTC buzz bars like on Phoenix, Millennium Flyers is like on the GCIs, Timberliners like you see on Gravity Groups, and the RMC Legacy Trains like on Lightning Rod and Outlaw Run. So this is going to be interesting. All right, who wants to start? Oh, All right. I'm sorry, I'm watching the video. Then oh, it hurts. <laughs> you know you're giving yourself PTSD by doing that to yourself right now. Yeah, I know. I sent you the link to it. Oh boy. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, let's we'll start with our number five and we'll just work our way down the list. Um, so I guess I will start this. Uh, and yeah, RMC Legacy Trains. And when we say Legacy Trains, we're talking the Gen 1 trains like Lightning Rod, uh, Twisted Colossus, Twisted Cyclone, all those rides. So yeah, I don't like them. Uh, I agree with it in the number five spot. I think that they're decent, but nowhere near as good as the other four. Yeah, um, the Gen 1s, I mean, they do have that advantage of feeling more out of control um, because their movements are not as um, calculated, if you will, versus 
um, RMC's current uh, second generation trains where um, every single axle is a set. Well, the, the trains have steering axles on them. Um, so they do feel out of, more out of control, which I personally enjoy. Um, but I mean, overall, comfort wise, um, you know, you, you do have those restraints that come down further on the ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I will I will say the RMC uh, Gen 1s are probably are down there at the bottom for me, too. Yeah, that my main issue is the the stapling, especially on a ride like Outlaw Run. That that ride, uh, it, it staples pretty hard. Yeah. Oh, and the number of times I've had because of the seatbelt specifically, Lightning Rod has the number of times I've had that restraint like crush the seatbelt into me. Uh. Yeah, there were uncomfortable things that happened to me on Lightning Rod involving the seatbelt. Or so, like, I have a, I've had that happen too. Trust me. Yeah, be going down the quad down, and the next thing you know, you're screaming not because of the thrill, but because of the pain. <laughs> oh, we've all been there. Trust me. I've had, I ran it like 240 something times, and I could probably say half those rides. Wow! Like look, painful. you missed a show off. I'm so proud of you right now. It's the only coaster I keep track of my rides on. Well, bless your little heart. <laughs> All right. So number four, in my <laughs> opinion, this is a this is a hot take. Millennium Flyers. Oh, wow. Uh huh. Uh, okay. You need to say why. I know I do. So Millennium Flyers. Like, I've had a lot of friends put it to me this way when it comes to GCI. GCI is pretty much the B&M of wood coasters in that they have one formula. They stick to that one formula. They all do a similar thing, and that's it. The same can be said for the trains in that the trains themselves, the restraints, um, yes, the bars are ratcheted. But every time you start going over an airtime hill and you have just a brief moment of positives, what happens? Click, 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 click. So you immediately get struck, you know, you get strapped and stapled, you know, you get stapled into the train. And let's be honest here, we've all done this where with the Millennium Flyers, you have to be positioned just right to be able to get a ride where you can experience something called air on those things. And if you're not, and you get your restraint gets checked. What happens? Click, click, and then you're stuck. So, um, and then also, the movements of the rides, the movements of the Millennium Flyers are fine, but they feel, uh, gosh, what's the best way to say it? They feel very calculated. Uh, Very, very, uh, they don't have that out-of-controlness that I love on a wooden coaster. So, uh, that's why I have Millennium Flyers at number four. Okay. Yeah, I you can too. see all those those <laughs> reasons. Uh, I mean, I get what you're saying as far as airtime, but I am usually hold up restraints in the first place, so I haven't had that issue on GCIs. But I can see that. Yeah. Well, let's see. Chris, you want yours? Yours is another hot take. Oh, gosh. Mine is the PTC ratchet bars like on Voyage. Ah, 
Now, reason being is while I think they're kind of overrated because a lot of people see them on rides like Voyage and Ravine Flyer 2, and just because they're on ridiculously good rides, they associate the trains with being ridiculously good. However, I don't see it that way. I don't think they do anything better than the other three on this list. It's just, it's more comfortable to sit in the other three to me. That that's it. It's on great coasters, but I think that those coasters could be even better if they had different trains. In my opinion. Well, I mean, the one thing I will say about the Ratchet Bar and PTCs is you do have that stapling issue a lot. You know that is been very prevalent with the ratchet bars from day one but i the thing i like about the ptc trains in general is they give you that sense of out of control like truly out of control um that the other trains don't necessarily give you now that being said the ptc trains beat the snot out of wood coaster track there is no secret about that they obliterate the track um, because there's <laughs> steering axle, um, articulating axle to ride with the track. LOL, what's that? <laughs> um, but with that being said, like, I mean, for me, I would have to say, I know I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead here, but PTC Ratchet Bar will have to be number three for me just because you have that same kind of stapling issue um, and, and, plausible discomfort that you would get on the millennium flyers if you get stapled really bad um but um obviously i know that we're talking about your number our number fours right now so anyway well mine's probably also a hot take uh timber liners i don't think that's a hot take there's a decent amount of people who would agree with you i think they just i see this is where it gets weird the whole idea of like the stapling on with Millennium Flyers and uh, like the ratchet bars, like doesn't bother me as much as these um, like custom fit restraints on a wooden coaster do. Because I just like that feeling. Because even if you get stapled on like a Millennium Flyer, you still get a little movement. If you get stapled on a gravity on the Timberliner trains, it just feels like you can't move as much. And they're also, that's the other thing, and this is kind of going to expose my favorite. They're just, you feel so in control and like you're in like a giant stretch limousine because you're seeing stupid low to the ground and the trains are like just up and around you. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I will say that the lap bar is in kind of an awkward place. It reminds me a lot of the Mauer X cars. And um, I'll go ahead and jump ahead because the Timberliner is my number three and I I've heard that they don't ride super well on wooden track. And I, I can believe it because mind blower has gotten really rough for being such a newer ride. Uh, so I I'll believe it. And I think that that could have a major part of that, but I, I I'm pretty neutral on it. Like I think they're fine trains, but nothing spectacular, you know? You can still get airtime on them, and they're fairly comfortable, but it makes the ride rougher, apparently. I, with my experience with Mindblower, Kentucky Flyer was fine, but Mindblower definitely had issues. So Mindblower is a bit of a mixed bag, and the only reason why I know this is because I've 
had the pleasure of uh, an opportunity to be able to talk to uh, Mike Graham at Gravity Group uh, specifically about Mindblower. And the issues with Mindblower are not necessarily the trains because those trains, and I had the opportunity to go to their facility because it's just outside of uh, Cincinnati and actually play with the Kentucky Flyer trains. Um and and see how the um, the axles move and how because similar to the P, to the um, RMC second gen trains the Timberliners all the you know it's all self steering trains and they're designed to ride with the track. Now, when it comes to mind blower, the issues that they've been having with it is that Fun Spot decided to pull a let's hire cheapest bidder type of approach to building that ride. And hmm. so they hired a, a contractor that had, did not have previous experience building a wooden coaster at all because they were the cheapest bidder. So, and so now they've got shoddy track work to deal with. Exactly. And so Gravity Group has come in a couple of times already and made it better than what it was. Um, but I know for a fact from verbatim, I, you know, face-to-face conversations that Mindblower is still not performing the way that they want it to um, as far as the ride experience it gives. But part of that, you know, part of that responsibility falls back onto FunSpot hiring a, a construction firm that yeah. had zero experience building a wood coaster. Mm, that That makes a lot of sense. So... I mean, they're aware of it. They they are. They've helped Fun Spot fix it to bring things into alignment. Um, but I mean, the main thing is the tolerances were just so off um, from that from the original build out of the ride. So yeah. that's why you know when you're riding it, it feels like you're you know going over like a gravel road. <laughs> <laughs> to put it bluntly. <laughs> And it's a great ride. I mean, it kicks butt even as rough as it can get. It's great. Oh, I think I rode it in 2017, and I want to get back down there and ride that thing again. I found back row to be pretty smooth, but everything else is just it. It's gotten pretty uncomfortable, but back row is still amazing. How many so what did we ride it last Sorry. year, Chris? What? How many times did we ride it last year? Uh, twice. Once twice? in front, once in back. I, I remember it was good. It was a lot more fun than I expected it to be. Um, quick fun story. I was actually in Orlando the week that opened originally in 2017, but my dad and I couldn't sneak away from what we were doing uh, to go to the media day because we were actually invited via Ace to go to the media day for it. So, hmm. So what number are we on, boys? Number uh, three. Jack needs to do his three, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, my three real quick. Uh, PTC buzz bars, and the only reason they get ranked so low is just because there aren't that many of them left. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Uh, but the rides that do have them are amazing. Like, Phoenix, mm-hmm. as you heard in our uh, joyous reviews of it last week. Yes, it's amazing. All right, number two. We got John, John Mike, have you done your three yet? Yeah, my number three was 
uh, PTC Ratchet Bar. Okay. So number two, for me, it's Millennium Flyers. Um, I've always just loved them because it's the perfect mix between comfort and out of control. Uh, it just and I've also just partial to them because Thunderhead and I go way back to like 2015 when I got into coasters and I just love it. Well, you know, Thunderhead has the Ozark Wildcat train on it, right? Yeah, we have four. We have four trains now. Just four. Yeah, just four. Just four. Just four. We can only have two on the track at a time, but we have four trains. Two of them are always in the shop, and two of them are always on the track. Like, there's no reason Thunderhead could not run year-round. Let's take, like, a week or two off to do some track work. Interesting. So, my number two... Sorry, what? I said we've got more than enough trains for it, that's for sure. Yeah. So my number two is the train hot take of the hour, Millennium Flyers. Um, I think um, Millennium Flyers down at like four. I mean, not Millennium. Yeah, Millennium Flyers. Um, and the part of the reason why is because I'm thinking through the business perspective end of it too, of just how they're designed to lower the cost of maintenance on a park and things like that. Um, but also I'm somewhat parcel to it just because my home park, of course, one has Kentucky flyer and has, uh, uh, Oh, wait, wait, wait. I said Millennium flyers back. I meant to say Timberliners. Wow. Sorry. I was putting it together slowly. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of figured it out as you went. Wow. I just sound like a crazy, uh, a crazy enthusiast doesn't know what he's talking about. So oh, we've GPL had the drunk riders on here. Don't worry about it. Okay, <laughs> fair, fair. So they anyway, all listen to this. I should point that out. Just saying. Oh boy. So anyway, Timberliners. Um, just because I I think through the business end of it, I admire what they try to do for that segment of attraction, specifically speaking to wood coasters. Um, but also I'm somewhat partial to it just because. The restraints, um, of course, that those trains were designed partially by coaster enthusiasts themselves, and the restraints are designed to not come down during the ride at all. Once they are locked and the all clear is given and that sucker dispatches, that restraint will not move. Um, and so I have had some very, um, very fun rides on Kentucky Flyer. Um, Thanks to um, a couple of ride ops um, in particular. And let me just say, it is the most fun experience I've ever had on a coaster going only 35. Um, <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. I can only imagine what you're talking about. But um, it's like me riding Fury 325 with three clicks of play in the back row. It's like, you thought you know what airtime is? Think again. Yeah. So, my number two. It's going to be PTC Buzz Bars. Um, while Jack's right, there's not many of them. The ones that I have are in with them either are good rides like Cannonball at Lake Winnie or Swamp Fox at Family Kingdom that have some decent airtime, or they're just absolutely insane, like um, Phoenix. Phoenix. And then Comet also has some really, really, really good airtime. Um, but 
there's not many of them left, but I haven't had a bad ride on any with them. And on a ride like Phoenix, you will be absolutely flying. And they're really comfortable, too. Like, no chance of getting stapled, obviously. So it, it really is perfect for a old-style wooden coaster like that, I think. The worst part about them, and this really only applies to Phoenix, is that you get thrown up and down so much, I walk away with back pain. But that doesn't hit until like two hours after I ride, so... I had some knee pain from my knee banging against the bar. So, there, there's, there's a type of train that's not on here um, that I'll bring up here in a second, because it's, a bit, it's definitely an anomaly. Um, but I would have to say my number one is the PTC buzz bars. Um, Cornball Express, need I say more? Um, uh, I want to go ride it. Um, I know Indiana Beach is calling your name. It's the we almost of, went this year. It's the home of the world's best ride that only goes 20 miles an hour. Um, but anyway, the PTC Buzz Bars, uh, the king of airtime. Um, it is so much fun to ride rides that have the Buzz Bars on them. Not to mention the fact that Cornball Express is a CCI with Buzz Bars. Heaven. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. That, that yeah. exists now that I think um, about it. The back row with that drop. And uh, it's just, oh, my gosh. Um, but the other train that is not on here that I wanted to bring up is the trains that are on Jackrabbit at Kennywood. Yep, nope, sorry if those win. End of discussion. <laughs> I've <only> heard. <laughs> what restraint? Yes, exactly. That's my point. What restraint? Um, yeah, I can, I, those are so, like, I was trying to, when I was making the list of, like, ones we're going to rank, I was trying to think of, like, rides that, one, the trains are well-known, and two, there are multiple of them, and there really aren't any other trains like Jackrabbits left, so. No, not at all. Well, there might be a couple, but not that we can think of off the top of our head. Not, not yeah. Not that everyone is just gonna know immediately. I think, right. um, I think Conneaut Lake has a oh, Blue Streak. Yeah, I think Blue Streak has those trains. Even then, though, I, I've not. No, I haven't ridden it, but it's not probably got the one moment that literally redefines what you think scary airtime is. <laughs> um, so let me give you some some my dad and i are riding this this summer and we like we knew it was coming so i was like okay we're doing back row for our first ride and you put the little seat belt on and it's like an airplane seat belt L literally is what it is is and so you're riding it and, and you know the first little bits of it are fun and you know i wasn't worried about it and i never really left the seat then you're going up that lift hill and you start to realize oh crap we're about to do this thing, and all that is holding me in is an inch and a half of felt and a buckle that I could undo without thinking about. 
<laughs> and it's, I realize this as you're turning, and this is like all sinking in is returning at the top of the lift and start down that drop. And you do that first little part of the drop. And it's like, oh, that wasn't bad. And I swear, I just went flying. Every bit of me was off of the seat. Just like all that is holding me is this little piece of felt. <laughs> and you're just floating and the train just keeps dropping. And like my dad and I are like slamming into each other. And you can feel this seatbelt like tensioning and groaning under us. I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck is that? The rest of the ride after that's boring as all could be. But that one moment makes that ride <laughs> and those trains some of the best things that have ever been invented. I I know people who <laughs> they shouldn't have done this, but I know people who have taken their seatbelt off on that ride. Oh, and no. I'm like, I'm like, how are you still here? <laughs> I have a very that is a very good question. Um because I'm pretty sure. If you didn't have a seatbelt on, you could literally, like, the fear we all had of, like, a child where you just imagine, like, the person just floating out and floating away. That could happen on that coaster. I, I feel like that, the same thing could happen on uh, Cornball Express, too, in the back row going down that first drop. Because the thing with Cornball Express's first drop is when you look at it off-ride, it doesn't look that steep. Um, but not until you ride it do you realize that it's like a 50-foot drop that has like an angle descent of at least 60 <laughs> or more. And yeah. so you're not traveling very far down. But man, as soon as you crest the top of that lift and you're in the back row... And if you have a loose belt, you are flying. I mean, you are just gone. <laughs> and then, of course, Lost Coaster or Superstition Mountain. Those trains are those trains are in a special god tier category for me. <laughs> um, They're literally glorified minecarts. They well, they they are a god tier category train, and they will forever be a god tier category train. <laughs> And for those of you, if you've not been to Indiana Beach and experienced um, Lost Coaster Superstition Mountain, the best CCI ever built, experience it. It is a wacky ride. It does not make a lick of sense at all. And when you hit the brake run, you are, well, correction, you hit drive tires, then the brakes. You're literally looking at the other person next to you like, what on earth did I just experience? <laughs> It is literally that kind of demented ride. And, um, you know, the fact of the matter is attractions like that are not necessarily built anymore. And um, everything has kind of become um, very calculated um, to a degree, especially when it comes to steel coasters like <clears throat> B&M. Um, everything's very predictable. Um, but Lost Coaster, you can't predict it. Ride it backwards in the back car for your first time. You're not going to regret it. Yeah, I've always wanted to get out from Indiana Beach mainly for that. It just looks so weird. Like, doesn't it have an elevator lift? It does. What was CCI it was, doing? <laughs> it was 
it, so here's what's really funny is some of the guys that were at CCI toward the end of that company's operation, they're now at Gravity Group and they formed – some of them formed Gravity Group. And um, when I was talking to them, my friends bought up Lost Coast or Superstition Mountain. Literally, the response we got from them was they just started laughing and they said, that ride is messed up. <laughs> <laughs> If if that's when you know something is up when the people who built it are laughing and saying it's a missed up messed up not missed up messed up oh yeah that no that's my yeah words hard (laughs) it's okay i got you and yeah um well let's we'll hit the top for my from our like list that we had even though i agree jackrabbit's trains win um for me, my personal favorite are going to be like the PTC ratchet trains like you're going to see on Rampage, Voyage, Shivering Timbers. I just love these things. They're so out of control. And I'm also really skinny, and so they can staple me all they want, and I'm still getting airtime. Well, aren't you just blessed? Like, Oh, and I'm also... so. The last ride of the night we had on Voyage, where we were all dressed up as dogs, I had so much play. Oh my gosh, that experience! And so I wasn't I was even like, there. I still have PTSD from that night, from that picture that night. So amazing! I still have my dog mask. Should I go put it on for you? No. Yeah, I hope I might do that after we're finished recording. Okay. Just so, yeah. Um, no. So I had so much room. I was in the second to back row. I mean, we're just, it's pitch black. We're just flying out of our seats. And that's like, that is why I love those trains. It's like, they're so relentless and out of control on every coaster I've ridden with them. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that goes back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier with the PTC trains themselves is the, the design, the overall design of those trains is pushing what? Uh, right around... 50 years old because I know for a fact that the PTC built coaster here in Louisville that was over in the West End and the amusement park there um, those trains basically look the same as modern day PTC trains of course the, the, the shape the styling has changed a bit and the, the restraints completely different because it was buzz bars back then Um but the overall chassis and how the train is built out is the same. Um, so, I mean, and that, that design is going back at least, what, 50, 60 years old. Um, but I think that harkens back to what Jack was saying, is that they just they are so out of control because the only thing that is really guiding them is the train itself. You know, it is... They are not gliding with the track. They are, you know, pegging their way around the the, uh, the entirety of the track. But I think that harkens back to giving them that out of control, just sensation of speed. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, if like you said, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, the Beast has been running its three bench PTC train since like 1981 or 1982. So, like thirty almost 40 years it's been running those trains and they still hold up yeah racers is from 72 
Yeah, did Racer open with Racer probably opened with buzz bars though. Because Beast it opened did. with buzz bars. And they changed it in the early 80s because Beast opened with the four bench buzz bar trains. And yes, the it did. cars were so long that they were beating the helix to death. Well, um, and then also if you look at those three bench trains, and there's footage from the early 90s, I think it was 92, where Beast still had the three bench trains, but with buzz bars. Um, mm-hmm. And then, um, anyway, what I was going to say is if you look at those trains, uh, specifically on Beast and also on Racer, you can see where the buzz bar used to be on those trains. Yeah, I mean, they're the same trains, they just changed their strengths out. Right. And that's also why those ratchet bars have the infamous click, click buzz to release them because it still uses all the same mechanics um, as the buzz bars. So I'm going to be honest. There's no reason they can't run beast with buzz bars, except for they're really easy to get out of. (laughs) Yeah. I'm pretty sure the reason why beast doesn't have buzz bars now is because of insurance. (laughs) That's also probably true. And like I said, they're really easy to get out of buzz bars. So, Oh, really? They are? I mean, I could totally have, like, <laughs> I could totally just crawl out of Phoenix. Like, if you want to stand while you're riding Phoenix, I mean, you kind of already are, but... Yeah, Pennsylvania is weird in that way that, like, it seems like the majority of their rides just want you to not be in them anymore. Damn. Okay, but... But but can we can we take a moment to just appreciate can we can we just take a moment to just appreciate how Indiana somehow accidentally ended up with like all the elite CCIs minus shivering timbers and rampage but yes Boulder well, Dash minus okay but think about the CCIs that Indiana has you oh have, yeah, no, it's oh yeah, it's got one of the best collections of them. We've probably got more CCIs in that state alone than anywhere else, too. No, I mean you really do because you got Legend, Raven, Lost, Coast, Lost Coaster, Cornball. Then you got Hoosier Hurricane too. But I mean Hoosier Hurricane's kind of a misnomer, but um, because I mean Hoosier Hurricane kind of does stuff. I mean it still does more than Beast, but. It's almost every coaster does more than Beast. Beast is just nostalgia, and it has one of the best finales to any coaster ever. I got one trimless ride on the Helix of Beast. Oh my gosh, it's insane. And let me tell you, that was one of the top experiences I'd ever had on a coaster. And I and I remember hitting the brakes, and I was like, man, if they ran this thing like this all the time, and and the reason why it was was because it was that weird in between period when Cedar Fair was modernizing the ride, and they had taken the pneumatic friction, uh, pneumatic friction um, brakes, um, air, uh, brakes off of that ride, and they were going to put the mag brakes on, and for whatever reason they were operating it, and the helix brake was not there. And let me tell you, that thing just kept gaining speed, just just gaining it and building and building it. And we get toward the bottom, and I'm like, uh oh. And <laughs> we, you know, we we shoot into the tunnel and we hit the helix. Well, we hit the turn rather to you know to begin going around the helix. 
And I remember I was facing, you know, kind of at an angle, you know, going sideways. And next thing you know, I was on the other side of the train <laughs> whenever the load shifted on the track. <laughs> like the second the load shifted, I was just like, whoa. <laughs> oh, I mean, even when that variety has got a trim that hits her, you like got to brace yourself to hit that helix. I've ridden right. a couple of times, not truly trimless, but where it was raining hard enough to where the brakes could not slow Catch. the train down as much as they normally would. Yeah. And it's insane. <laughs> that was, I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite memories is um, opening the beast last year in the pouring rain for its 40th anniversary while all those losers were standing in line for t-shirts. Yeah. Like I, like one of my favorite moments on a coaster still to this day. And I know I give beast a lot of crap and a lot of enthusiasts give beast crap because Overall, the layout is not that strong. But one of my favorite moments is when you're going, <laughs> it's just when you're going sideways, hauling, you know, hauling booty into this helix. And then all of a sudden, that load just shifts all of a sudden. I mean, it's still one of my favorite moments on a wood coaster just because of how stupid it is. Oh, it's nuts. And Well, I mean, you look at the rest of that ride, it's like, oh, this is pretty tame. And then you look at that, and it's like, what were they doing when they designed this? Well, and it's so deceiving, too, right? Because, you know, you crest that second lift, you're flat, you basically make a flat turn, and then all of a sudden, the entire track just, just somehow shifts diagonal, and you're just going sideways, <laughs> gaining all this momentum. <laughs> Oh, it's nuts. Well, one of my favorite moments on any roller coaster ever is Beast at Night as you round the corner to approach the second lift hill. And it's just the two lights on the top of the lift hill just look like eyes and they're staring at you. And that, I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, this is about to get real. <laughs> and you could look right there and see a beautiful coaster from Aerodynamics. Oh, wait. Anyway. <laughs> my beautiful i mean it was a beautiful ride it was a eh, ride experience but we won't get into that also yeah we that, it also doesn't help that the last time i rode it my back was already like in immense pain so that'll do it yeah um well we we pretty much beat the wooden roller coaster train category to a pulp i mean that's a, it's a, that's a fun debate. We need to do that with steel coaster trains, Chris. Yeah. We'll do, we'll, we'll do that one day. But John Mike... I bet you RMC is coming last again. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> you know I'm right. <laughs> hey, hey, and we're going to put the Gerslauer RMC trains like way up there, too, because they're fantastic. The Raptor trains at the very bottom. The Raptor trains at the bottom, then the second-gen trains, and then the Legacy trains... And then the um, and then the Gerslauer trains can be higher than that, but I mean, not to spoil the fun or anything, but give me the like, like just give me some good B and M clamshell four across or staggered. Those are the best right there. But the B and M staggered trains can go bye bye. They are yes. they, garbage. They are oh, way oh, too boy. long. So give me, you, Mike. give me the original four cross B and M trains yes. like the hyper supposed to be. 
I should remind you that the person who executive produces this podcast thinks the staggered trains are the best thing in the world. Thank you, John Mike. The the four across are so much better. They're so much better paced. Well, it's also because they're not three miles long. (laughs) Yeah, that's why they're better paced. They don't, like, drag on forever over the hills. When you've got Mako versus Diamondback, Mako, it's just constant airtime because you're flying diamondback you're slowly cresting and not to mention the the nice gravel pit at the bottom of every airtime hill because of all the additional stress that those trains put on the structure yeah they're wrong they're both so wrong they're just wrong that's okay now i'll be with them wow (laughs) wow you you he actually muted us, John Mike. <laughs> man, oh man. And with uh, John Mike, our uh, two normal questions that we ask every guest we have on this show. What is your favorite park? Ooh, favorite park. Um, Are we talking overall or are we talking like in two separate categories? Oh, no, overall. Yeah. Oh man. Um unless it changes, which I don't think it will, I'm gonna sound like a very basic enthusiast. I think everybody uh, knows what it's gonna be then. Uh yeah, it's clearly gonna be Connie like I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um it's, it's it is Cedar Point. Um and the reason why is not necessarily because of the rides themselves. Now, don't get me wrong, the rides themselves are uh, absolutely amazing. But it's because of the experiences that I have had at that park with all of my friends. Um, That is what makes Cedar Point such a special place in my book. Uh, But I mean, as far as overall experience, I would have to say Cedar Point and Hershey are like my top two. Um, Hershey Park, because of the atmosphere, the coaster collection that it has, um, Skyrush, need I say more? Um, all of you that say that the restraints on Skyrush are bad, well, I'm sorry, but Skyrush is the stuff. Um, we both agree. What? Me and Jack both agree with your statement about Skyrush. Oh, good. And the back left? Like two weeks ago, so... And the back left on that ride is probably one of the most righteous religious experiences oh. you can ever have on a roller coaster. Oh, um, hold on, hold on. I'm transporting my body back there. Let me try to get my, like, just, oh. I only got back right, and, yeah, that was, uh, uh, like, we were talking about it last week. I'm convinced you could fly out if you get room and you don't hold on on that drop in the back row. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, the back left on it, like, all my friends had told me it was basically the car crash seat. <laughs> and when I, I'll never forget the first time I rode it. Um, I was there with a friend. We crest the top of the lift. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't look like that steep of a drop. And I'm going <laughs> straight. But the thing is, I only went straight for about two seconds after that thought. 
And then next thing I know, I can't keep my body upright, and I am being yeah. flung to the left. Yes. Yeah, you're being flung out to the left. I that happened to me last when we were riding last week. Every bone in my back just goes. Boop, 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 boop. I'm like laying ninety degrees, hanging out of the side of the train. Back right for that. I, I remember hitting the drop, and we start descending. Like we get whipped over, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is pretty good, but like. You know, it's not my all-time favorite drop or anything. And then it was like we just hit a second crest where my body flies. And I was convinced I was flying out. And I was freaking out at this point. And then we go over that twisted airtime hill, like, towards the end. And I get whipped to where my back is, like, 90 degrees sideways while getting ejector. Like, some of the craziest (laughs) ejector ever. It is – that ride is – should not be illegal. Not, good not to mention that one last airtime hill before the, the turn into the brake run. The first time I went over that, I thought for sure the ride was was going to rip my thighs through the restraint and just eject me. And I had my arms up, and I remember getting so scared that I flung my arms down and death gripped the restraint yeah. on my first That was ride me on the drop, that ride is ridiculous. Yeah. I still get so excited whenever I start talking about it. And with that, we're going to wrap up tonight. Um, talked a lot about uh, Skyrush right there, and that actually was John Mike's favorite roller coaster. We had some recording issues. So we didn't get his answer finalized on it, but he did tell us it was his favorite. So with that, go ahead and give us a follow on social media uh, at Twisted underscore Traveler on Instagram and at Twisted Traveler, but the R at the end is a one on Twitter. Uh, Stay tuned for some fun content coming up with the Drunk Riders next week. Got a ton of fun stuff planned, so thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.